Can I just, I, I mean, shift a little bit from past and future in this to east and west? Um, because uh, one of the things you encounter quite a lot if you meet the eastern member states, they have a bit of a difference of priority of what uh, should be involved here. If we look at security questions, when you look at uh, renewable policy, heating and cooling policy, to many people in Western Europe, those are obviously related to security of supply uh, issues in Russia. Less so when you e talk to the eastern members. They say there's a more an immediate Russia problem to deal with. And they're viewing, they, they want something rather different, something rather more immediate out of the package. Um, I just wonder how at the moment, how do you see that the... Um, whichever bodies are going to be dealing with it at the moment, but it's come back to the Commission in a sense now, is going to deal with that tension that to some extent there's all things to all men within this and there's a different pace of work uh, wanted from, from the East on some of these um, questions. Uh, Jean-Michel, do you want to start on, on that one? Your question is the most difficult since the beginning because I'm not good with uh, European politics and external European politics. I'm really not good. It's most of the time I do not understand it. So what can I say? I can say only one thing what I said yesterday night or this early morning. Uh, as soon as I see Hungary, Czech Republic and Slovakia together united against Poland, I think we won't get a common uh, external policy and we won't get a common uh, external energy security policy. Apart from this, I have nothing else to say because I am unable to really understand it and to weigh the different factors. And I mean, we can come back to that uh, a little bit later because I think they do share quite a bit of vision in the Visegrad 4, but it's very much on this idea of the commercial contracts and how much private companies should be overseen is going to be a problem that's going to be coming Tiger Ryan's way um, now. Um, Sami, how are your feelings about the East, the East-West priorities? With Jean, it, we started from this assessment. Is there was still a disbalance in the European Union yeah. on the field of energy between yeah. East and West. This is clear from history, uh, geography, geology, uh, economy, everything. Again, the key point for the Energy Union and also the European Commission is to bring all these countries together in the same framework. Uh, a way to address it is that, of course, there is an issue of gas. Uh, there is an issue of diversification, reliance on certain suppliers, etc. And this is very different mm -hmm. from one country to the other. Either you develop an only short-term gas strategy dealing with that, or you develop an overall strategy which brings answers which are not only that, and the European Energy Security Strategy of June 2014, and the Energy Union builds on that, what it says is that, of course, you need to address gas security, diversify, but of course, you need also, I mean, energy efficiency, renewables are an answer to that issue mm -hmm. as well. So in the Energy Union framework, we find different ways to address them. And why, I, I just want to make this point, another way that energy policy is artificially fragmented, we have the impression that when it's internal issue, it's European. When it's external issue, it's completely national issues. So we have completely fragmented the internal market and the external dimension of this market, as it would be two different worlds. Now, our external suppliers remind us that it's exactly the same one issue that needs to be addressed together. So once we address this internal market, external dimension together, we already give an answer 
to these uh, Eastern European countries. Georg? Um, my first statement would be, uh, and uh, I think it's something that uh, Jean-Michel uh, Jean also said, is uh, the Eastern countries are not kind of one block. They are also having rather yeah. different opinions, especially when talking about the Ukraine issue. Yeah. Poland has a completely different position than, for example, Hungary. And uh, if you talk about Slovakia, they are kind of in between because on the one hand, they are making 300 million euros a year by transiting Russian gas and they would like to, to keep this nice uh, cash flow going. On the other hand, uh, uh, they, they, see the, uh, they see the political difficulties. Um, I would frame the question maybe a bit differently and I think that that is a good point of the of the energy union and the European approaches that it's very often about discussing frameworks it sounds very kind of complex abstract and uh, and and far away so discussing how to uh, how to design markets how to uh, how to establish rules and not going into into very concrete projects because as soon as you go into kind of concrete technologies concrete projects you immediately know which member state will be against it and which member state will be for it and then it will be very difficult to conduct this big horse training mm -hmm. that is essentially mm -hmm. necessary to make everybody better off but if you're starting to discuss on a higher level of uh, of frameworks and and open the debate to these five dimensions, then the, uh, the, the chances for success might be, uh, might be substantially higher. And for me, the, the energy union was also to some degree a way to, uh, to increase kind of the, the political profile of energy policy a bit away from the ministers of energy in the, in the member states that are deeply into vested interests of their, of their national systems to the heads of state level. So really to, to, uh, to level it up uh, by, uh, by one level and hoping that then more political compromise becomes possible. Mm. Jean Arnaud? Yes, well, um, on the east-west uh, divide, I think that um, uh, indeed the situation is different. But um, in my view, the first response is to have the internal market working over there. And uh, we have, um, of course, the need to have the right interconnections between the, the various uh, countries. And um, that is where uh, I would recommend the Commission to be uh, much more uh, proactive in, in developing regional cooperation uh, between uh, Bulgaria, Romania, Greece, uh, and then also Hungary, uh, Slovakia, Czech Republic, and, and Poland, as we did with uh, the, the Baltics. The BEMIP, uh, Baltic Energy Market Interconnection Plan, was aimed really at the three Baltic states to help them, and they've been helped a lot by the Finns, the Poles, and also the Swedes and the, the Danes on the other side. And um, this helped a lot, but the Commission spent a lot of time on BEMIP, much more than in any other regional cooperation, because of the sensitivity of, for, for the Baltic states. And I think it's exactly the same situation with the, the, the East Balkans. Uh, and um, I am very glad to see that a high-level group has been created uh, recently. But this is the way to bring them together. You know, after the crisis of uh, January 2009, um, Bulgaria was suffering the most and uh, there was a possibility for Greece to help them and also for Romania. It did happen with very big difficulties but at least the lesson was there that there could be done something between these three countries so we invited them at the time to, to work together and it took five years for them to, to, to gather and to look at their strengths to, to see how they could help each other in case of, of mm -hmm. emergency. And, you know, Romania has gas domestic mm. production, so they could help. Mm. The Greeks, they have an LNG terminal. So if you see uh, 
just in gas, there is a lot. In electricity, it's the same for a number of countries. They have a variety of sources and things like that. But this is not happening for various <laughs> reasons. And the Commission has also to look at the structure of the energy sector in these countries. It's a state-owned monopolies with a lot of national inter uh, political interventions and things like that. So look, Bulgaria government fell just because of the electricity price and, uh, and, and problem with energy. So I think these areas really are very important. At the same time, it's clear that the old uh, power uh, dominating the region before 90 is still very active. Mm. So the un today you, you have one country, well, not to quote it, Hungary, is looking at Moscow and saying, well, we prefer to go to Moscow than to Brussels. So there mm. is something to be done mm. there. And this is really a, a question, I think, of improving the regional cooperation. Yeah. My experience of regional cooperation in these countries is, is painful. Also, the regulators were meeting together, but nothing is really happening. So there is a major effort to be done there. And it's then leading to an internal market working with the optimization of resources, but also then the, 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 the projection of the internal market on the external relation. Yeah. In other words, to be able to speak with a single message vis-a-vis -vis Russia, look that source stream disaster, uh, because of you have a, a third country which is dividing our member states and, and playing one against the other. Uh, this is a lack of Europe, of energy union. This is just an example where you see yeah. the answer, the obvious answer to Russia in this field is to have the European Union speaking united. Just to follow so one so word, yeah, it's yeah, okay. uh, cooperation. Yeah. Cooperation. Yeah. No, the missing yeah. link is cooperation. You can have everything at European level if it's always implemented at national level, fragmented, it will never work. It's and it's necessarily when it's about real time, it's cooperation. Yeah. Can I just follow up just one thing first that Jean Arnaud said on who represents the power in sense that if you take a country like Bulgaria, for many of the people who come through the energy institutions and the government, Moscow is what they know, Gazprom is what they know, they see it as the real power. Brussels is more abstract, it's a slightly peculiar idea. How do you think the South Stream uh, the use of the third energy package and regulation played. You could read that either as, ah, Brussels has really arrived now, Brussels is a real power, you have to watch how they implement their policy, or it just bred a lot of negativity within the, um, the region. How would you read that dynamic in saying, yes, we're here, we're a player, we're a force? Um, how did South Stream play, would you think? Well, SourceStream has been initiated before the crisis of 2009. I think it started in 2007. So the, the, the Russians were already concluding uh, bilateral agreements with uh, a, a number of member states on, on SourceStream. Uh, and this was before we, we had this agreement of 2007 where we wanted to go much more together. So I think this was just a, a timing issue. And then it was too late and um, when the, the member states realized that they had been played one against each other. They found Brussels as very helpful mm -hmm. and they asked the Commission to act as a coordinator of them. And then, uh, well, the, 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 it culminated with a letter of the, 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 the Energy Commissioner to the Minister of Energy in Russia at the end of 2013 saying, well, look, on so stream, uh, we are sorry to say that um, 
you are not uh, in line with the uh, EU rules. So uh, if you want to, to build South Stream in the EU territory, it will not work like mm. that. So what we propose to you is to have an EU-Russia uh, agreement to cover South Stream. So that was December 2013. In January 2014, it was decided to have a, a working group mm. between Russia and the uh, EU to, to discuss that. And of course, after the annexion of uh, Crimea in February, uh, uh, in March last year, all this went to a stop. But um, that was the, the result of, I would say, six years of uh, uh, lack of uh, of understanding, but uh, I think at the end the member states have understood now, and that's when we see the proposal in the Energy Union to say, let's have a look at the intergovernmental agreement before they are concluded, mm -hmm. would help uh, yeah. a lot in this process and would be just a logical step. But also look at the whole Poland has been able to renegotiate the, the status of the Yamal pipeline, mm. which was a joint venture between Pijinik and, and uh, Gazprom. Uh, the Poles asked the EU Commission to, to, to help them to negotiate and the, finally we got uh, treatment and handling of the Yamal pipeline which is in line with the third package. So that is the tariff is set by the regulators, there is no reverse flows physical and virtual on, on, on the Yamal mm -hmm. pipeline. So which is not still possible in Bulgaria and Romania because there are still a lot of mm -hmm. pressure on these sides. So, but you see it's we are moving in the right direction. So, but there is, of course, the energy union is, as I say, this qualitative step we need just to, to, to go for the full uh, power of this union. Jean-Michel, you had something about cooperation that you wanted to, to add. Well, I agree with uh, Sami, but Sami is doing something a bit paradoxical as be spontaneous. Sami is saying, um, EC, European Commission, can do the best, the best plan, the best C, the best... If member states do not cooperate, it won't work. Uh, I roughly agree, because given the institutional frame we are in, we need member states to cooperate. But that's precisely the point I was raising. I'm seeing several member states not cooperating on this or that. Even if I... Uh, I do uh, congratulate UK for changing its minds about the use of interconnector. Now UK, the UK government is saying, oh, that's right, the interconnector uh, has the right to enter into our own national security of supply. Congrats, but it's rather an exception than a rule, so I, I do not see how it will work. But uh, Sami, being younger than me, uh, will explain me how it seeing it working. Uh, we, it, it, there's a very good example in recent history where it shows that it can work. It's the regulation of, of 2010 for gas supply. Before the crisis, there was nothing, disruptions, and we realized that European national countries alone were weak, and the gas was there, but it could not flow from one country to the others from very basic reasons, reverse flow, lack of coordination, cooperation, etc. And then uh, an initiative was taken to adopt a European regulation. The first reaction from the sector was, oh, you're going to re-regulate the whole sector. This is against the principle of liberalization, etc. No, 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 no. Having a regulation is not about re-regulating the sector. It's what? It's offering a European framework, some harmonization of certain aspects, and then it's 
opening and sometimes you can even in strongly invite or you can even force some countries to either coordinate or cooperate. These two things are totally different. But what we get was coordination. So they have to coordinate their plans as a preventive and also if a crisis occurs. And they have to do it at regional level. If you do it, so this worked. And then what we call this solidarity, which everyone says, oh, it's a very abstract principle. What is this? No, no, it's a reality. And the reality is what is that it was the private operators themselves who were <coughs> delivering this factual solidarity. But this was possible because there was a European framework allowing it. In the field of electricity, we have nothing compar comparable. We have a directive of 2004-2005 which says to the countries what they should do within their borders. It's a kind of checklist. But then it doesn't open any cooperation and coordination. So if at the European level you don't at least have the impulsion, and then of course you have, so far it's changed because now you have ACER, you have the NSOE, so the governance is somewhere ready, but it needs the, 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 the vision and the signed guys, you need to cooperate. And then of course the way that they will articulate it, whether it's through regional initiatives, whether it's through more ad hoc, voluntary, like pentalateral, etc. We believe that when it's totally voluntary and ad hoc, it can stop like this. And when it's like this, when you have a crisis, it can put you in a very difficult solution, position if everything stops because, you know, voluntary, they have decided not to cooperate. So there are concretely things to do and there are past experience that can inspire and BEMIP is another one. Uh, we can discuss it concretely. Um, yeah, thank you. I mean, Tug O'Brien, I mean, quite a few ideas there. Just to come back to the, the original and the, the, sort of, the commission fitting in there. I mean, at times it is felt that sometimes the, particularly Poland, will try and use the ETS as something of a hostage as well in the, the policy making. That this idea of the climate policy is something we have to grin and bear and we want certain presence out of the, um, the package uh, ourselves. I mean, how do you regard that tension playing out over the next five years or so? I, I thought maybe we'd move the conversation nicely on from your east but and west at the beginning that I wouldn't be asked quite that. But I just want to actually, maybe we can start off exactly where you yeah. finished and said, what about Poland and hostages? Okay. I, in the country I grew up in, I heard all the time that people, I grew up in the country in the west of it, said, oh, they don't understand us in the capital. Yeah. And the ones in the south, they're different either. Yeah. They all had different interests. So let's not start and think that this is something terrible that people in different parts of the European Union approach a question from a different perspective. That's not a bad thing. And as people have said here, the energy with five dimensions allows you to look at a set of interrelated problems from different angles and to come up with solutions that help in each and every one of them. So just on the very simple one, in terms of gas security supply, and you say, well, this is today's issue. Okay, but one of the critical solutions is getting the internal marketing gas working in a better way. And so ensuring, and we've seen the, the slides and the figures, that if you look at the different gas crisis where markets were more or less working, things more or less worked mm. out. Second of all, in terms of having plans, having a plan is a good thing. Because when you get into a crisis, the first thing you do is say, what am I supposed to do next? And I don't think most people go around and say, well, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to stiff my neighbor. But why? Because it's been worked out. So the ex 
ex-ante coordination is just about helping them and making sure that people know what happens when. We talked about this in the electricity sector. I mean, there are a certain amount of challenges there, but I mean, we have to be careful about how we put it. In many respects, the electricity sector is further advanced in terms of the actual day-to-day -day cooperation of transmission system operators, and they know when they do it. But there's a whole set of areas now where they don't have plans because they're new problems. So the challenge we have now is to come up with new problems. And then I want to slightly mm. challenge the issue that you put and said, well, what about uh, you know these, 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 these new member states? You can't trust them. I'm paraphrasing that. All they care about is this Russian things. They're mm. stuck in the past. Well, first of all, I don't think it's true. And second of all, I think, well, of course you're going to worry about the pressing problem first. But when you develop press solutions to your pressing problems and with your neighbours, you'll also look at things, and I think anybody who says there aren't significant energy efficiency gains to be made in eastern member states will quickly find out that's not true. And they will see that as they look through it. And that's the process allows that to be identified. There are many things, and we can, to use an Americanism, we can walk and chew gum here. We can do both things at once. Now, in terms of, you're talking about cooperation. Now, we say, this is what we talk about, the creating a framework for regional cooperation to happen. That can be done. That's part of what is set out in our project, for the, in our program for the Energy Union. That will allow that to happen, but also allow it to happen in a way that, as I said earlier, that people can have confidence that what's happening and where across the European Union, that it's not somebody else trying to shape the game to their own advantage. But I think it's clear, as Sean Arnaud mentioned, the new forum, the uh, new coordination framework that we have in Southeastern Europe is a good thing and something to be strongly welcomed, just as much as the pentrilateral is a good thing. Mm -hmm.